Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Carding Dads. In this episode, we get into the Maxis race that we just had. We give a recap of that and all the turmoil that kind of went on with that race that we encountered. Uh, we talk about us going back to the track and doing some practice, uh, learning how to you know race against each other and race each other pretty tough and what it takes to uh, work on your racecraft and get better at doing that. As well as the goals that we've kind of set for ourselves that we want to accomplish before our next local race to make sure we continue to improve in the sport. So uh, please just continue to spread the word to your friends and uh, let's get into it. Thank you. What's going on, man? Going on, brother. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Good. Tired. Uh, <laughs> it's surprising how quickly the week starts and you realize... Damn, weekends are too short. Man, we we have a couple of things to talk about. We have the obviously good feedback from our last episode, tires, tires, and more tires. And then there's a Maxis event that we attended too. And obviously we got one more practice in that uh, we got some really good fun racecraft practice in. So, man, some good stuff to talk about. Yeah, this should be uh, pretty interesting. Well, where do so, you want yeah, to start? Let's start it off with the uh, let's start it off with the Maxis recap because cool. I learned uh, I had some pretty good lessons to be learned in that, and um, I think you did as well. Yeah, yeah. So it was really good. Oh, this is something new I didn't know. This is something that I should have tried already, but better late than never. And then there was just a, oh my goodness, dude, you suck pieces. So. Um, I'll start with the morning. Um, my morning practices were awesome. It just carried over from, you know, the last weekend of, of practice that we had. I was running really, really fast. I'm surprised at how quick I was running in the low 41s, 41.4, 41.5. And we had two practices. Practice one, 41.5. Practice two, 41.4 on the same old tires that I was on. So I was ecstatic. And I couldn't wait for qualifying. Um, no issues, no problems. The only thing was my clutch, which uh, I, I think I'd talked to you about a little bit before. See, I run a Stinger, and the shoes, there are four shoes in there, and the shoes all have grooves in them, like three grooves. And my grooves, the, the middle groove of each shoe tends to fuse together. And that's probably because I don't take good care of my clutch. I don't know what I'm doing. But it's just, it always happens. And when it happened before the race, the Friday evening, or actually it was Thursday when I saw it, and it's like, man, I'm going to take a regular flathead screwdriver and a sandpaper and try and, you know, open up the grooves again. It wasn't cutting it. And then it's like, usually the next step is go get a Dremel and take a, a little disc and cut through. Well, you've seen my shop. It's the, the biggest mess ever. <laughs> I spent 30 minutes looking for the disc and I couldn't find it. And I'm like, oh, forget it. I'm not going to bother. So um, I ran without it. And I, I think I was telling you to bring one, but I forgot. So it's the only thing that I was, you know, kind of behind on. Otherwise, smooth morning, smooth tech, smooth practice, no issues at all. So it was really good. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, so I brought it your Dremel for you just in case something were to happen. And luckily, uh, we didn't have, to, well, we, we actually did have to use it on mine, uh, on my cart because, um, I borrowed a set of wheels 
from Kevin, so I didn't have to constantly, or I didn't have to be in a rush to hurry up and um, take my old tires off and put them on those set of wheels. Uh, so he had the black uh, van case, and I've always had the chrome. So I guess there's a little layer on the, I guess a powder coat or whatever it is on that wheel that I didn't want to go over my hubs. So yeah, luckily um, I had that Dremel and was used a sandpaper pad on it and you know open it up just a little bit and bam the wheels went on so good thing that i did bring that dremel because it actually came into good use yeah definitely and um total segue but remind me to talk about and if i forget about specifically van case or black van case and the thickness of the anodizing all right remind me to, to talk about that so um cool so that was practice um i mean you did you have an issue early on besides the wheels or no? No. So my first practice I had, um, I was on old tires um, that I did a road race on and um, two Maxxis races and like three local races. So they were done and I knew that I didn't have a lot of grip. I just wanted to make sure that everything was rolling the way that I wanted it to. And I knew that my grip, you know, mainly just working on turning points and you know, make sure, you know, the chain's tight and the motor sounds good and, you know, just a, just a shakedown. And so I went out and I was turning like 42 twos, uh, which I knew wasn't the right pace, but for the equipment I had was pretty good. And I was like, okay, I'm in the mid pack. Uh, I think Kevin was on a new tire or newer tire. So I think he was like 41 eights. Or forty one seven, something like that. So I was I knew I was in the ballpark. So when it came to qualifying, um I went ahead and put the new tires on and so in my head I'm thinking, Okay, I got everything lined up the way I want it, the cart was feeling good the way I had it. And then I made a huge, huge mistake. And this is something that from that day I vowed to never do this again. Uh, which I'm sure I'm going to. Um, and that was practice for so long on old tires. And so they were, if my normal steering inputs, you know, on our Eagles are usually between like maybe 10 and two at the most. So if you go over that, there's something really wrong. And so I was used to uh, having to, I guess overcompensate on the steering for having no grip that it just came into like a basic uh, muscle memory kind of situation. And when I went out there and had all this grip, I was all over the place because my hands were moving way too fast because I was already going past the 10 o'clock uh, range, the 11, 10 o'clock range. And it, it was horrible. So my qualifying time was actually slower than my practice time. And, um, the other thing was I went from practicing on six and a quarter inch fronts to racing on five and a half inch fronts. So there's a whole other ball game to that equation as well. So yeah, I just, you know, I, I guess still like a little rookie mistake and really not knowing and understanding. It's just, yeah, just go out there and send it. You know, who cares? We got it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So it's actually really important that you, you brought that up. Because we've talked about it a little bit more in the last, you know, two weeks or whatever. But 
man, practicing on something that's different from what you're going to race on. Right? And it was, I was so glad you mentioned it because it's kind of been in the back of my mind, but I hadn't really made it a commitment to focus on. But since you, you brought it up, I've definitely added to the things I'm going to work on because um, part of the tire conversation was, yeah, we, we complain about new tires as part of it. But the other is that all the variation, right? So different compounds, different manufacturers, and then different sizes. Well, for the longest time here in Jacksonville, at least, um, you know, it's, it's predominantly been old style gold cup, you know, big wide rear wheel, you know, big wide front wheel if you can fit it. I think we even fit, you know, the 4.5 or 4.6 inch fronts on, you know, six and a quarter front wheels, right? Like that's, that's what we do here in Jacksonville, old school gold cup style or, you know, the lay down cart style mentality. And so when we vote started, we have eight and a half inch rear wheels, eight and three quarters, nine inch wheels. I think I have a single like nine and a half somewhere. And those are fine for stretching the you know, seven, 10 rears on, but with Max's switching to the 6.0 or 6.0 rear tire, um, obviously you're not going to be able to stretch it all the way there. And I practiced on 710s that I had from last year, but I had gotten them down to, you know, seven and three quarter inch rears. And we're throwing all these numbers out, but each time you change your rear wheel, right, the whole gear ratio, for example, changes. Um, the amount of grip the tire is giving you doesn't really change, um, but, and I have to qualify that, the amount of tire that the, you know, the amount of grip that the tire compound is going to give you doesn't change. Um, but the fact that you put the same wheel on a wider tire means that you're taking some grip out of the tire, right? Because you're stretching the wall. And if you put it on a narrower tire, you, you know, raise the side wall. And so you're essentially giving the tire more grip, like all that affects the balance. And to practice on one thing and switch over to something completely different, I mean, the, I know the faster guys are good at making that change, but that was huge for us. Like, just qualifying time, it was a completely different cart because of of those little things like the tire size changing without touching the setup at all, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. And I had a uh, I had an issue with that. So, yeah, that was, that's a good point um, to bring up. And my other situation I had uh, was with my clutch. Because in the morning, I cleaned out everything, and I was rolling better in turns than what I was the weekend previous. And so, I thought I'd fix that problem, and we talked, we addressed that in the last episode. And um, so, by the time the race came, you know, my clutch is chattered really bad every single lap. My RPMs are getting worse and worse coming out of certain turns that I know I have to be in a range of so many RPMs. And I just, I wasn't getting the pool. So no matter if I went up, you know, gears in the back or went down gears, like nothing was going to change. So the feature, I think I made like, I don't know, five laps and I knew it was over. So I wasn't going to waste the tires that I had and I wasn't going to waste the runtime on the engine. So yeah, I just packed it up and brought it in. Yeah. Um, And it was... My qualifying was actually, you know, good. 
I mean, I expect it to go faster because practice one, I did a 41.5. Practice two, I did a 41.4 on, you know, really old tires. I mean, I've, I've had those tires since the Grand National, Max's Grand Nationals last year in November. So I expected to put on new tires and go quicker. And I went, you know, decently quick. I went 41.5, which actually put me in six out of 17 carts. Um, which would have been great if I could start from there, um, but I can't run the scales. And my cart number is three five nine. Well, in a class of three sixty, I decided to match my cart number on the scales. <laughs> yeah, um, that uh, that was a shocker, for sure. That was a shocker. I was like, only a manual can miss it by one pound. You know, the worst part about it is when I came out of practice. I, I mean, I, I know I did the math wrong, and I would never argue scales, you know, that's straight up. But when I came off practice, uh, the second practice, I was, I was like 365 with no fuel in the tank and an extra puck. And I'm sitting there going, if no fuel puts me at 365 and I have an empty tank, if I take the five-pound puck off, and fill my tank back up to, hell, half of it, you know, that's a third of a gallon. That's 2.07 pounds. Like, I should be fine. You know, like, my brain is sitting there going, how on earth would I miss it by that much? So I filled my tank all the way to half, saying if I take five pounds off and I have even a quarter tank left, or with, and I have half a tank left, um, I should be at the right number. Well, lo and behold, taking the five-pound puck off and whatever my calculation was for the gas was wrong. It's plain and simple because I came off at 359. And I had room in the tank. I just knew that I was going to come off at like 361, 362, um, and I didn't. So... The other thing was qualifying is usually like four or five laps. And I wasn't even trying to adjust for it, but we did get eight total laps, time laps. So that makes, you know, nine laps on track. So I'm thinking maybe, you know, you add that, the extra laps. Sure. But that was dumb. So anyway, instead of qualifying, you know, sixth out of 17, I had to start dead last. Um, that was first step. That was the first problem. So that was dumb. Mistake number one. Then, right before, you know, heat, the heat race, I was, yeah, Ron came by, and you have the notorious habit of having a loose seat. And I was so wired, like, knowing that I had a cart that was quick enough, and you all starting dead last. I spoke to Chris, uh, Carol, and Grid, and, like, how, I asked him how far up you're going. He says, I'm going straight to the front, which is, like, Total badass mentality and props to him. Um, I don't have that in me. I was thinking, well, I got the heat and I got a final. So, obviously, the top five are faster than me anyway. In fact, seventh place, you know, Jason, he's probably a little quicker than me. He was just having a bad day. So, if I'm starting 17 and I can get myself into, like, seventh or eighth thereabouts, I I'll be happy. And then I'll kind of be racing from my natural position. And maybe, you know, with a draft and something going my way, I'd be happy. Um, so I was like, dude, I got to focus and get in, get in the mindset. So 
Ron came by and said, hey, you need to watch your loose seat. And I immediately grabbed like, you know, two half inch spanners and all wrenches, walked straight over and I'm like, I'm gonna tighten my seat. Like make sure this thing ain't loose because I don't want anything going wrong. Well, um, I kind of messed up doing that. So my cart in the heat was dog slow, like half a second slower than, you know, ever. And I could feel the whole chassis bound up. And I didn't realize it until you said something. It's like, what change did you make? I'm like, literally nothing. And then you was like, wait, didn't you tighten your seat? Well, in tightening my seat, I, you know, I kind of just locked the chassis down. Just from, you know, the like four or five turns I did on each of the four nuts, I tightened my chassis down and, and basically bound it up. Uh, either my seat was cocked at a weird angle, something. So... Yeah, that sucked. I went nowhere, nowhere in um, in that that heat race. So that part sucked. And then um, the final, uh, I loosened my seat a little bit. I didn't go as loose as it was before. I loosened it like three rotations. I think I went five rotations when I tightened it, and it was a little bit better. And I was able to run um, better lap times, up to forty-one sixes now. But it was still starting, you know, in the back. I think I started fourteenth. Actually, I was supposed to start 12. There was a wreck. People moved around. And then um, I never made it back to my, my spot. So I think I ended up starting 14th or 16th instead of starting uh, 12th, uh, 10th. And then I was just stuck there. I mean, yeah, it just, I didn't get to go up as far forward as I could, but I did have a really good race. And I did get to practice the next lesson, which I learned, which is at 103rd. There are a few spots that are really good for overtaking. But there are other places where I'm generally quicker than a lot of people and I just, I never force a pass. So we have, you know, our turn five, the right-hander and then the mini bowl. And then we have the double right-hander, which goes to the big sweeper. And I have such good speed, you know, entering the mini bowl. Or if I have someone in front of me, I'm always backing off, but I have such a good run. And I end up pushing these people usually through the double right-hander. I never go for the outside pass around the double left-hander. But uh, in either the heat or, or earlier in practice, I saw someone just do it. Like it was either Corey or it might have been Chris Carroll even as he was leaving, making his way back from, from 16th to like, you know, 7th or wherever he got to 5th. Um, I saw him just go around the, you know, double, the outside of the double right-hander and basically just force your way in through the sweeper because you have the inside for the sweeper. And I was like, huh. I should try that. So I was able to try that in the in the final race, and it worked out beautifully. So that's a, I, I got to learn a new trick to you know keep in my back pocket. Um, I know the faster guys have been using it forever, but I got to learn that, and I learned about my seat and about being underweight. So three really awesome lessons from the weekend. Um, but overall, ton of fun as always, right? Oh yeah, it was a it was a good event, uh, but a long definitely put on another outstanding event as he always does and um the vintage guys actually teamed up in this one and showed up as well and i think there was like 202 entries or 222 entries something like yeah, that Yeah, i think it was 213 um, um, if i'm not mistaken okay um and it was great it was a well-ran event uh, pretty much everything was on time the way it was supposed to be, which was really nice because organized events just seemed to flow better. And um, I had no complaints on the way that the 
event ran. Uh, the driver's meeting was a little long, but that's expected. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But no, as far as like racing, the competition was, you know, some of your league guys here in North Florida, um, or heck, and actually the Southeast United States uh, showed up. And yeah, the people who took the podium um, in this race was definitely, you know, some of your elite drivers. So we got to, I guess, compare our skills to what they have. And, you know, they've been doing it for, you know, 15, 20 years, and we're just not getting into it. So we didn't expect to go out there and win. But uh, we just wanted to show and compete, and uh, you did a lot better job of that than I did. So, uh, yeah, Major, props to you. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like this is the benchmark event, right? So last year, you know, that we started the podcast discussing our Maxis event as our first big event. And a year later, uh, it's it's such a good benchmark because we were I was battling for, for last place in my race, and you were – right ahead of the pack we were battling with. So I think we were duking it out for 14th, 15th, and 16th. Um, and you are in 12th or 13th, something like that. And this event, and I qualified, you know, in the back of that one completely. And to be able to now qualify, you know, sixth out of the 17 guys. And even though I was racing in the final um, for 12th or 13th, um, to know that you know my lap times were actually of someone in the top ten, that was really really good. Um, and I had a pack of you know four in front of me, and granted, at some point they were working together at some point. And I was still catching them by myself, which was awesome. By myself, I was doing you know my my forty one six and forty one seven, and the guys in the pack you know expected to be doing forty one fives, but every time they would go for a pass or try an overtake, they would slow themselves down, and I'd be like right there. So, you know, eventually then you know, a couple of guys got together and I'm like, perfect way to slow yourselves down. And I just, I just reined in like a mad dog, just chasing them down. So that was really good feeling. Obviously it wasn't the same, you know, 40.7s and 40.8s that the front runners were, were going at it. And I'm certainly not Corey who can run 40 point, you know, sevens by himself and catch a front pack of three guys. <laughs> but it was a good feeling, man, to know that, okay, no matter what, if I get dropped, I can focus and, you know, chase down into a pack. You know what I mean? And then once I get there, then you actually have to race. And that takes a little bit more work. But good feeling, man. Good, good, exciting event. Uh, I had one more note to mention about the, you know, Max's, which was we recorded our tires podcast, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, a week and a half, two weeks before the Max's event. And, you know, we hadn't released it yet, but... In the driver's meeting, that long driver's meeting, it was almost as if, you know, someone who feels, you know, the continuity we want in karting, you know, Buddy knows what he's doing. I mean, he's, he's amazing at organizing these events. He made it a point to stress. Just because we've switched, we've moved on to two days now, doesn't mean you're going to have to need, need a new set of tires each day. And he pointed out he could not, in his right sense of mind, ask anyone to buy two sets of tires for the weekend, even though it is a tire company that's, you know, running the, the event. So that was really, really good. And, you know, we really appreciate Maxis looking out for racers. And if all the, you know, national races and big regional races were like that, where they consistently enforced, hey, one set of tires for the weekend, you can practice on 10 new, side, 10 new sets of tires if, if you want. And no trophies for, 
for practice, right? Like Allen Iverson says, practice? Ain't nobody need no damn practice. What you talk about, practice? <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, you take that away, you know that everybody's only buying one new set of tires for the entire weekend. Um, that's really good. So, um, huge shout out to, to Maxis for definitely thinking of racers and helping in their own small way, uh, not to push our cause, but to push every kart racers, you know, hope that we're just buying one set of tires for every national race. If you do, you know, one every other month, like the way the big races are, yeah, it's significantly more manageable. You know, you buy the tires, then you race those tires for the whole local series for the next two, two weekends, and then you buy a new set for your race. I mean, it's perfect for what we're going for. So I think that works out well. Yes, it does. Cause, um, some other places, I think the WKA or you probably know them right off the top of your head, but if it's a two day event, you have to buy two sets of tires. Yeah. So at $190 a set, you know, you're looking at $400 after taxes, you know, plus your entry fee for two days, plus your travel and food and cost. It can, you know, you can have a thousand dollar carding event pretty quick. Oh yeah, I mean, and that's I mean that's almost par for the course for you know, a lot of the big guys. And there's nothing again. We're not. I always like to point it out. I'm not trying to say don't spend the money. If you've got it, please feel free. But we also want to make the the sport accessible, right? Our goal is to help push the accessibility of the sport. And some would argue, look, your national races should only be your elites, the guys who can afford to buy a new set of tires. But if that became the norm, your national races are only going to have six or seven or eight people per class, right? I mean, that's, that's the truth. I mean, I'll give you this specific Maxis race that we ran. If we're saying only those people who have a shot at winning the national championship and national elite level spenders were going to be there, in our class of 17, I can scratch out seven, eight people that I know personally, right, who are not there because they want to win. They're there because they just want to support the series and run the event, you know, for running sake. It's something that they want to be there and do. It's not because they're there to, to win it. Hell, you know, two of them, first, you know, first time running uh, Jacksonville, and they just wanted to check their track out. And it was perfect that it came with the Maxis series because they want to run it. So they showed up. And huge props to, to you know, Justin and his brother for, for coming down uh, from, from Kershaw. To, to run with us and hopefully we can get them to come out and practice with, them, practice with us on a practice day because they were, they were cool to hang with um, even though, you know, Kevin might have something else to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um. hey, that's, that was the Max's race, man. It was, it was a good t- turnout. I, I loved it. Um, moving on, you know, do you want to jump into the kind of some feedback from the tires tires or do you want to go ahead and talk about our, our, you know, race craft session, which we, we learned a, a couple of other good lessons too. Um, I think we, we've hit on that subject, uh, enough with the tires. So, um, <laughs> yeah, let's just go ahead and go straight into the, uh, race craft. All right. So this is something I think I talk about a lot, you know, with, Oh, what are my testing goals for the month? Right. Or what I want to work on this, this event or this practice session. And sometimes I write it down, sometimes I don't. Um, for the month of, of March, my testing goals was to work on, say, compressing some of my braking zones. 
the same way we had that episode in the beginning and I was just going to go and I'll set Cohen on the side if I needed it. And because we were prepping for the Maxis race, you know, I kind of worked on that a little bit, but that really wasn't the focus. It was just on running 10, 15 straight laps and not screwing up anywhere so that I could just be, be a little bit more consistent. So I felt good there. But for April, my goal has been to work on racecraft because what I learned from the Maxis race is just because I'm quicker doesn't mean I can overtake. And sometimes when you're not quicker, you're still racing alongside some people and you know, you just need to be able to, one, trust where they are, trust your tires, but also know how much room to leave without getting taken out, but also not giving up the race. And Ron brought it up to me, you know, the last local race we ran. It's like, hey, Manuel, look, it's never your fault in these incidents. I mean, there probably was one or two that was my fault before, but in recent times, it's not my fault but I keep getting turned around or I just go in too aggressive and then I lose control by myself. It's like, you have to, you're the common denominator there. You need to check yourself, right? Figure it out. Sometimes you have to give up a little bit more here because it's actually a full race. It's not just a single corner you're battling for. And so, and you, and even with you, um, usually like on a last lap of a race or whatever, whenever we're feeling up to it, I say, hey, man, we're doing this, right? And so I'll stay there side by side with you. And sometimes you'd get squirrely or I would get squirrely and just out of panic, you know, not wanting to hit you, I'd kind of you know, lose control of my cart a little bit and I'd go sideways or end up drifting completely or sometimes even spin in place. So, yeah, that's what I really wanted to work on. And our first, our first practice session was exactly that. I was a little quicker than you on lap time, but it wasn't at any point about lap time for me. It was, okay, I'm quicker than Andrew on the straight. Boo-hoo. Why don't I jam my brakes, and then now let's go through the corner side by side. And let me learn how much room to give him where I don't have to get squirrely, and he doesn't hit me. Even if he loses control of his cart a little bit, I know that you know there's just enough room for him to save it, without you know taking me out and I really enjoyed it I don't know how you I don't know how you felt about it but it was it was great fun no I thought that practice we had I learned so much about it Um, not only were we going in the opposite direction that we normally running because our race coming up uh, locally is now going clockwise instead of counterclockwise so all our turning points in the way that the track flows is completely different um, maybe it wouldn't have been as enjoyable as it was going counterclockwise just because we're so used to that configuration, but changing it up and, you know, knowing, trusting somebody who you can go side by side with in turns that, you know, you probably shouldn't. For me, it gave me the confidence that in a race, I know my cart can do this at this location in this, in this turn. I know I can put, you know, my left sides in you know, the, the marbles out there and be just fine and have plenty of room. So I guess we got to learn a little bit of maybe safe routes and escape routes compared to, um, just going out there, running by ourselves and searching for time. So, um, they, I mean, your micron wasn't even working the whole time, so you didn't have lap times. And to be honest with you, I never even really looked at mine 
on lap times. I just looked at, you know, gearing and RPMs to see where I was. That's it. So we, we've said so many times to us that lap times a lot are irrelevant just because um, so many different things can change in, you know, one track weekend to the next. So, you know, coming up with the plan that says, you know what, this is what we're going to do. We need to work on how to, you know, give someone a little extra bump in a turn without spinning them and without us slowing down. Uh, to make the pass. So, I mean, we worked on so much stuff and we were there for a long time. Um, it was, it was a blast. It was probably the, the best track day I've had, you know, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree on, at least on like the side by side stuff. I think as we get quicker and more experienced, um, you know, we get better with the side by side stuff. And this was, this was extremely enjoyable because we, we weren't racing for lap time and I don't think we were hanging on for dear life at any point. It was, okay, we're practicing this. I know he's there because he's practicing this and you know, you knew it. Like I didn't have to say a word to you before. You just knew that, Hey, Emmanuel could have disappeared, uh, you know, in three or four laps, but nope, he's staying right there with me. I see what he's doing and going, you know, on the sweeper side by side, inside, outside, you know, coming into, turn one and two, you know, in the clockwise configuration, you know, I loved it when I went, I took the inside from you the next lap, the next lap, you went to the inside and I had to go to the outside. And the next one, you switched back again. It was like, oh, you, you perfect. You know exactly where to go to defend, practice defending. You know, it was great. It was, I, I really enjoyed it. So um, looking forward to doing a little bit more of that. There's still a few spots I want to try. The mini bowl. Um, so next next weekend, if we get a chance to go, um, I do want to get my cart flowing a little bit freer through the mini bowl, and I want to learn to control the cart into a pass, right, a dive bomb of, of kinds into the mini bowl, and not like just sending it up there, but when I know I'm quicker, right. Um, there were a few times when I was practicing, and and Steven was running exactly the same lap time as as I was in a few places. Um, but you know there would be a lap or two where you know he was his he was still trying to figure out the, a really ideal line through the double left hander this time, and I would close in so well. I'm like, man, if only I had the confidence to send it up the inside into the mini ball, this would be a great passing opportunity. But um, I didn't, so I would end up lifting and you know coasting behind him. So I definitely need to go practice that a little bit, um, and that's that's uh that's step two. So that's all I have coming up for, for, you know, goals for the month or testing goals, if I should say. No, those are good ones. I, I agree with it. And, um, yeah, so learning a little bit of defensive lines, I didn't really plan on doing that. But I was like, hey, while we're here, yeah. um, let's go ahead and try it. And, you know, we, we've seen from the outside uh, watching some of these guys race and the moves that they make. From the outside, it looks like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I see that, you know, yep. okay, I can overtake here because he did it. Well, I'm a kind of person who has to learn from experience. Yeah. So it was being outside of the fence looking in, it looks easy. But if I'm in the driver's seat and it happens to me, it's like, okay, I did not see that. Right. Until it just happened. So being on the outside and not having it happen to you, for me, I will, I'll never learn. So if I ever want to 
get up to the Lloyds or, or to Corey, um, you know, or to the Yarboroughs. I got to find a way, one, just to get my times into that area. Yeah. Um, I mean, now that Kalen's, you know, he's getting a new cart, so we have no idea what's going to happen with his times um, because right now in that Gold Cup, he is extremely fast. He is. And, um, you know, if Matt May switches over to CIK2, you know, there's, there's another guy. So, like, this <laughs> class is starting to really – start to stack back up and um i mean if sean meyer does it as well i mean we can keep on going on and on but um so my first thing is i'm able to race with the group that i'm in now because i have experiences and i've seen how they're going to pass me are they going to do it you know i guess not a nice way or a wrong way but are they going to be more aggressive or more lenient and so once you get up to the next stage of guys it's another whole new ball game and learning how to race you know with them and what are their um you know moves are going to be like and so it just keeps on evolving so everybody you passes you're gonna have to do something different to pass them right if that makes any sense it does and i i agree uh you know some people you're gonna no you know you're you're that much quicker than them and so you might be a little bit more cautious, right? Just because you know, hey, I'm just going to get them in the next one. It's not a big deal. I don't have to force it. And some people, you're going to have to take your opportunities when they come. And you just have to be ready for it. Um, there was this really good moment watching the CI, no, the senior um, feature race on, on Saturday. And I'm going to assume the finish was very close because I mean, Matt Mays, put on for me i'm not saying he's you know, obviously the, the greatest thing since sliced bread but for me he put on a master class of the thing i would love to be able to do to come to the finish of a race so all through that that senior race it was sean meyer matt mays kaylin right uh, and then aaron like together in a pack of four just lap after lap working to get away from the whole group and Man, every time they'll come into turn one, you know, you don't follow someone bumper to bumper all the way through one, right? You just give them a little bit of gap so you don't turn them around. But you would see Matt Mays close in like crazy going into two. And I'm like, man, normally you just kind of send one up the inside, you know, dive bomb it and go. But Matt didn't do that. He just waited and waited. And on the final lap, and I was watching this. He didn't just send one up the inside and allow Sean to carry his speed all the way. He just wiggled or nudged his left rear bumper just a little bit, you know, as he was getting into their braking zone. It's like that perfect, you know, rubbing, rubbiness racing. Like, let's go to Days of Thunder. He bumped me. No, 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 no. He rubbed you, and rubbing, son, is racing. Like, Matt Mays did it perfectly, and I want to practice that someday. I don't think I have the control I want yet. But going into the corner where I know I'm a little bit quicker than the guy, but I don't want that guy to maintain the same speed that he has because I'm taking a tighter radius, right? I'm going to bind my cart up more. And if he can flow with speed on the outside, he's still going to beat me. But just giving him something else to do, you know, as we're going into turning point, just nudging him just a little bit, then sending it up the inside, and then it's a proper drag race. That way you're not on the losing end while you are taking a tighter radius. Um, I think that would be amazing to practice. So 
that was a really good lesson watching from the outside for sure and I can't wait to to work on that someday in the future. Agree. Um, all right, so one thing I want to start doing as we wrap up the episodes is kind of touch on some of the quick main points. So it, it's all kind of tied up with the bow. So I'll go over my big lessons as a reminder um, for myself and then for anyone else who was actually listening to us ramble a little bit. Um, step one uh, for me is I've got to make sure my cart, even with completely no fuel, um, will never ever get to to 360, right? That's step one. I mean, that's how I scaled my car, you know, and I don't know why I decided to change my mind and use fuel to meet my weight goal. Um, that was dumb. So if you have the problem of being skinny and light like I am <laughs> and making your weight is a big deal, please scale your cart with enough weight and yourself that you don't need fuel in the tank. To make the number make sure you make your number without fuel then the extra pound or two pounds on you add with the fuel is not the end of the world I mean you're not gonna lose a race because you were a pound over or two pounds over the limit so um, that's that was the first one for me second we always say you know to our friends uh, close friends loosen up everything in your cart you know what I mean just you want the chassis to be completely free well that goes for your seat too Make sure your, your seat is tight so that it's not moving, but don't tighten down your seat so much that it binds up your cart. Um, that was a, a big one that I learned. And then I'll kind of put the last two together, which is practicing your racecraft. You know, um, you may be quicker than a few guys, but it's one thing to catch someone. It's another thing to pass them and learning where you can pass, how you pass there and how much room you give so that you're not going too wide or you're not pinching yourself too much so you kind of lose the momentum you want to carry is important. So practice that whenever you can. So those are my three things for, for this episode, man. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll piggyback on that one. So for me, um, I learned my lesson with uh, clutch maintenance and being aware of when you're starting to have a problem because I've never come across this situation. Uh, like this before um, my other one would be uh, to always practice on the things on the packages that you're going to run and yep. race with so don't you know have so many practice days on the wrong side of wheels and a different tire manufacturer than what you're going to be racing and um, you know so that one there hurt me and I'm going to go with you on the seat um, my seat always comes loose yeah. So I am always going to have my seat as tight as I possibly can to get used to knowing that that's what my cart's going to be like all the time and then work around there, uh, work around it that way. So right. I guess awesome. on the, the, the point of, you know, you saying, you know, you're not going to lock gears down all the way. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do that. And then maybe we could track, track this, uh, you know, with several other episodes um, so now that I know that my seat's always going to be like this, if I have something going wrong, mm -hmm. first thing I'm always going to do is check the seat because yeah. I know that I couldn't, I mean, the bolts are locked down. Uh, so yeah, I, um, uh, I like those points and, um, you know, th this is something that, I'm making sure my dad holds me accountable to as well. Cause he's always with us. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, 
It's just not going to happen anymore for me. It's just not going to happen because there's nothing worse than you paying all that money and uh, learning of a simple mistake with a cost of that high. You know, it's okay if you do that at a nowhere local race is $30 or on a test day that's free. Um, you know, but when you're you know almost $300 or so into an event and you have a silly problem like this, yeah. you know, that stinks. Yeah, it does. So we'll work on it. And um, I, I took the notes down for it. So we'll come back to it in a few, a few episodes and see how we're doing on those. Um, anything else to add before we wrap this one up? No, man. I, um, I would, again, want to thank everybody for the feedback that we're getting because we are getting um, a lot of good feedback and uh, just ways that we can continue to evolve the show and um, you know, really reach out to our uh, listeners and you know help them with uh, any problems they have. So, yeah, we'll keep this thing evolving and you know please continue to give us your feedback and continue to tell your friends um, because, yeah, this is getting good, man. I'm really excited for the future. Likewise, brother. All right. Well, I'll catch you in the next one. All right, man. See you. Peace out.